All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, 12 is where we're going to begin tonight. Romans 12, 12. I will be reading this scripture out of the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 12. It says this, it says, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Amen. Well, let's pray right on cue. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is, it's amazing, Lord God. It's, it's life-changing, life-giving, so awesome, Lord God, that it is, it's living and active, that you're, Lord, using it actively in our lives each and every day, each and every minute, each and every second, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray tonight that we would be attentive, that our, our, our spirits would be awake and, and alert, that we would be awake. Lord, anybody that's tired, any sleeping slumber, we bind it up right now. Any distractions, we take authority over it in the name of Jesus and, and pray that everyone be alert in their hearts, minds, spirits, their ears, that we can all receive and more importantly, apply this word to our lives. Give us the grace. Holy Spirit, help me. I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. I need your help. Holy Ghost, have your way. May your kingdom come. Your will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, um, last week I was actually scheduled to to lead the prayer meeting. And, and um, you know, I was going to share this scripture last week. I just felt like the Lord had put the scripture in my heart to share last week for this, the midweek service. That was going to be more of a prayer meeting. I was going to have a probably a little mini sermon and I was going to uh, pray along these lines, but um, we ended up going to Crossroads, which by the way, how many of y'all came out to Crossroads last Wednesday night? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah, that was, that was amazing. That's, that's what revival looks like. When, when over 50 churches or at least 50 churches come together and pastors and pray and seek God's face and worship and put all, like people say, put all egos and logos aside and just worship the Lord as the body of Christ was, was an awesome, awesome thing. Um, you know, but as I, you know, as last week passed and I, I knew I'd be preaching tonight, after looking at it and considering it, I actually believe it's God's perfect timing for tonight. Amen. So uh, I already had some things jotted down and I just continued to develop it and the Lord kept showing me some things. So I think it's actually perfect um, the week after, you know, after what happened a couple of weeks ago at the Grand and also the week following, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, um, you know, that week following after the, the shooting at the Grand, uh, they had three more murders in Lafayette and one suicide. I think Pastor Tom might have mentioned that on Sunday. It reminds us we're living in troubling times, right? Right? You know, the week of prayer and fasting could not have been scheduled at a better time. We scheduled that like last year. We looked, we look at the calendar. We do, uh, we do a, a year like scheduling, like at the end of this year, we'll do it again for next year. So we had that scheduled already. I mean, it couldn't have been a, a better timing. It was awesome. You know, us praying and fasting, going across the roads, there was prayer visuals all over the city starting like the day after that tragedy happened. Um, and it was a great time. But now that the vigils are, are pretty much over, prayer and fasting is over, what should we do now as, as life continues to go on? You know, not, not just what happened a couple of weeks ago, but if you watch, listen to, or read any news media, it, it doesn't take long to run into bad news, right? Matter of fact, I was just reading the news a, a little while ago, even actually after I jotted that down. And once again, not to be the bearer of bad news, but it's out there. Just today, they had another shooter go into a theater with a gun and a hatchet. Thankfully, 
the police intercepted him and they took him out and he was he didn't kill really harm anybody. I think one person got hit with the hatchet, didn't even have to go to the hospital. So praise God for that. But another another crazy went to a theater with the intent to do do mass harm. And thankfully, the authorities, you know, stopped him. Ultimately, the Lord protected him. Amen. So as I say all of that, I believe Romans 12, 12 gives us a formula for the future. A formula for how to live in, in, in the future of troubling times. In the day and age of, of shootings and, and, and just all kind of, I mean, like I said, just reading the news just for a few minutes just this evening before I came up here, seeing people getting arrested for this and that and the other, and it's just, it's some disturbing stuff. But in, in one verse of scripture, I believe that the Apostle Paul gives us a formula for the future. The three commands in this verse are related. By rejoicing in confident hope, we can be patient in trouble. And continually praying is essential if we desire to have this attitude toward the difficulties in life. Amen? Because there are difficulties in life, right? I'm not trying to hone on that, but the truth of the matter, this is the time that we're living in, right? This is the day and age that we're living in. And so even Paul back then, thousands of years ago, knew that they were living in difficult times, too. As he wrote this, I mean, you know, they were getting thrown to the lions and getting mortared and tortured and all kind of stuff. And so, you know, in our day and age, as I read that, I believe this is a timely scripture. So I want to look at those three things he says tonight, the formula for for the future, how we should live out day by day, minute by minute as we continue on in the future. Number one, Paul says to rejoice in our confident hope. Rejoice in our confident hope. What is the confident hope that Paul is speaking of here? Colossians says this. He tells the the, the church in Colossians 1, 3, and 5, Paul says this. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you where? In heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Our hope is heaven. Amen? That's the thing about living in troubling times. He says, rejoice in your confident hope. You know, Paul says in Thessalonians, he says, you know what? Whenever someone dies, whenever someone passes away, when someone, he even refers to like, let's use our sister Tiffany. When they fall asleep, don't mourn like those that have no hope. And then he goes on to talk about that. You know what? The Lord, it, it, she's going to be with the Lord. So we can, we can encourage, he goes on to say in Thessalonians, we can encourage one another with this, that, you know, cause some people that don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't believe in the afterlife. There's no hope at all. They're living a hopeless life. I can remember before I got saved, this was right out of high school, I had a friend of mine, and, and, and I was raised, you know, I was raised Catholic, and so I always had heaven and hell, you know, God, Jesus being a son. I had the foundation of Christianity. I wasn't saved, but being raised up, that way I had that. And one day, I'll never forget, we sitting on his front porch drinking some beer one day, you know, I'm like 19, 20 years old, and it was probably, was, it, I was probably about that time after my dad had passed away. And we started talking about the afterlife, started talking about death, is there heaven and hell and all that. And I can remember like, man, I believe there is a heaven, I believe. And I can remember he made this comment. He said, man, there ain't no after, there ain't no heaven, there ain't no hell. When we die, we're just going to go in the ground and become worm food. Some people really believe that. And if you believe that and you start seeing all this stuff and know that one day we're all going to go that way, that, that's a pretty hopeless life, Right? To think like, man, we got to live through all this hardship and then we become worm food. Right? Paul says rejoice 
You're not worm food. My paraphrase from my buddy, you know, back then. Amen. Rejoice in our confident hope. He says, be confident in what you're hoping in. That you're hoping, Paul even says specifically, the things that God has reserved for us in heaven. Not only heaven itself, but the things he's reserved to us. Rewards, crowns, blessings in heaven. Amen. You know, just like you, when you, you make reservations at a restaurant, you go in and this table is reserved for you. Or parking, you have reserved parking. Guess what? We got some reserved stuff that when we get to heaven and be like, no, no, I'm sorry, this, you, you can't, you can't have that. That's for Brandon. Glory. Amen. The things that God has reserved for, that's the confident hope that we have. That with all this trouble going on around us, is we can rejoice like we're just passing through. We're just on an extended, I don't want to say vacation because, you know, you wouldn't want things like that to happen in vacation. But you know what I'm saying? We're just, we're just foreigners. The Bible says we're foreigners on the earth. We're sojourners. We're just passing through. Rejoice in that. We don't have to stay here. You know, I know, I know the last couple of times I've talked about heaven. I never get tired of talking about heaven. I don't know about y'all. Cause it's, that's how, you know, I rejoice is that knowing that, that heaven is, I know like Pastor Kelly, once again, I've said that that brother's always thinking about heaven. I mean, it's, you know, once we talked about it a few weeks ago and I preached about keeping an eternal perspective, eternal mindset. And you have to. And Paul says rejoice in that confident hope. So the hope is heaven. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says this. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Listen to this. I love this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. That's why I asked Nathan to to sing that song. Actually, I asked him for another one. He showed me that one. It's like perfect. This hope for heaven is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And it's amazing. I started looking at the scripture, uh, looking at this last week. And, 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 and now I'm preaching this week because on Saturday, me and Cassie went, went fishing with some friends. And Cassie and, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the wife of the, they went, they were kayaking, uh, they had some kayaks and they were fishing and me, me and my buddy were in the, in the boat fishing. So we're fishing and, and so obviously there's an anchor on that, on that boat. So like whenever we'd find a little honey hole where some fish were, obviously, and I was in the front, I would drop the anchor. And so as I'm, as I'm preparing this again tonight, I'm like, man, I just had the illustration. How many fishermen we have out here in boats a lot? Well, now you understand. I mean, everybody knows what an anchor does, but I just, I had the, the picture on, on Saturday. Cause when I would drop the anchor and the wind would start blowing, the boat would sway here and there a little bit. And it might move a little bit, but you know what? If the anchor was down, the boat wasn't going to move from our position. Come on, somebody. No matter how much the winds blew, no matter how much the waves bumped, as long as the anchor was down there and the anchor remained strong, guess what? We wouldn't, we can be, you know, moved around, you know, you get maybe a little battered, bruised, a little, some winds blowing, but guess what? A strong anchor for our souls. That hope for heaven anchors you. It's a strong and trustworthy. Remember, we can trust that this anchor for our souls is heaven. You know, Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we have affirmed. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. You notice every time he keeps talking about hope, you know, that, that you can trust in this hope. God is trustworthy. Okay, like my mom and three other people believe that. God is trustworthy. 
I know, like Pastor Todd talks about Sunday, you know, and I understand if, if you're, you had trust issues with your father, it might be hard for you to, to know God's trust where there are. If you pray, I, I talked to a young girl Sunday morning and she lost her sister recently and, you know, and she was praying for a miracle in her life and it, and it, talking to her, it, 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 it was hard for her because we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, but it seems like God didn't answer our prayer. If that happened to you, you could be like, well, can I trust God? He said, if I pray, you'd answer. Sometimes, you know, listen. As I assured her, I want to assure you, God remains the same. Hebrew says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is trustworthy. You can trust him that this hope in heaven and being with him, entering into the, into the, the, through the court and th- court into the inner courts, being in the presence of God forever. It's a trustworthy, but it says, listen, hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we have. Amazingly enough, I also got another illustration from our fishing trip on Saturday. Because one of the times after I dropped the anchor and I was in the front, I said, man, you ready to move and stuff? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and pull up the anchor? I'm pulling up the anchor in the front of the boat and the lip of the boat's coming out and the lip of the anchor as I'm pulling it up hits the boat and all of a sudden that the anchor disconnects from the rope and bloop, falls down into the water. And I'm turning around, I'm like, it's like, dude, what happened? I'm like, I have no idea. Your anchor just went to the bottom of the pond. But guess what? I was like, maybe it, it popped or something. I didn't know right away. He said, no, it probably just came untied. And sure enough, the end of it was secure. It wasn't tight, tied on there tight enough. And the anchor fell. And our hope for staying still the rest of the day just went down to the bottom of the pond. Right? But that's a great illustration. It wasn't tied. It was loosening. If you, if you loosen your grip on this hope, you will lose it. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. You're going to lose the hope that you have. If you don't hold on to this and, and remember the eternal perspective and keep it just like that anchor that, that went down probably, I don't know, six, eight, ten feet to the bottom of the pond. It says hold tightly without wavering to this hope. No matter how bad it gets, heaven's going to be perfect. Amen. So it says rejoice in our confident hope. We can be confident in the hope that God gives us. The second thing Paul says in Romans 12, 12 is be patient in trouble. And this one's smack dab in the middle and and, and, and a big one and probably the hardest one is to be patient in trouble. You know, he says we must be patient because you know what? Sometimes troubles last a while. Can I get an amen? Sometimes troubles don't just come and go in an eight hour day, Right. If we've been on earth any amount of time, that's the truth. Troubles last for a while. You might have been walking through some physical, you know, uh, uh, health issues or trouble with your children, trouble in your job, maybe stress, marital problems, maybe. And it's been going on for a while, maybe days, weeks, months, maybe even years. He says, be patient in trouble. I love this because, you know, as I looked up in the, the 1820 Noah Webster's dictionary, you know, another word for patience is endurance. The definition for endurance is this, continuance, a state of lasting or duration, lastingness, a bearing or suffering, a continual under pain or distress without resistance or without sinking or yielding to the pressure. Patience is the last word in the definition of endurance is actually patience. I just see the connection once again without sinking like that anchor. Another word for patience is to have endurance. So as I begin to think about this, look what Hebrews 10.35 says. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. 
Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Patient endurance is what you need now. Amen? That's what we need in in the most troubling times. Even as things seem to get worse and worse, every day we turn on the TV or look on our phones or whatever it may be, patient endurance is what we need now. That I mean, and, and we're going to look at it in a minute. As I see, you know, Brother Greg right here and, and all of us, any deer hunter, you understand you need patient endurance if you want to harvest a deer. Amen? Unless you, Greg, he just seems to like get in a stand and just kill a bunch of deer. I don't know what the deal is. He's just anointed for that. But most of us, we have to be patient. I talk to a lot of guys that are like, oh, man, I don't like deer hunting. I ain't got patience for that. You ever heard anybody say that? I ain't got patience for that, man. I ain't got. And you do. You need patience. But, man, it's so worth it whenever that, that deer walks out. Patient endurance is what we need. But, you know, okay, well, we, people always say, well, don't pray for patience. Because if you pray for patience, you know, God is going to send somebody to work patience out in you. And I, I think that there's very much truth to that. God doesn't just supernaturally download patience into your life, or endurance for that matter, as there, it says patient endurance. But listen, the Lord will, will help us with patience through his peace. When you have the peace of God, it helps you to be patient. That's one of the reasons why people aren't patient. They can't keep still. They don't have peace in their life. Their mind's always gone. They're, they're, they're always thinking of something. Their body's always gone. They're always, you know... They can't sit still because there's not peace. I know I'm stepping on toes tonight now. But it's true. But look look what the scripture says. This is encouraging. John 16.33, Jesus says this. I told you these things so that you can have peace in me. Look, in the world you will have what? Trouble. But be brave. I have defeated the world. I love that. But he starts out by saying that these things he told us so we can have peace. He starts out by saying, listen, I'm giving you peace because you're going to have trouble. So if you go back to that, that, that patient endurance is what we need. And then we'll go on to that in a minute. Now look what Isaiah says. So if you look at what, what, what Paul's saying and then what Jesus is saying is that, listen, be brave. In the time of trouble, let me just stop and say that. Be brave during this time. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be courageous. He says, I have defeated the world. Sometimes they say, I have conquered the world or I have overcome the world. So be brave. He has given us this peace. And listen to what it says, Isaiah 23, 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace Again, all those who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So he says he will keep us in this perfect peace, but we have a part to play in that too. He's given us this peace. In another scripture in the Bible, in the Gospels, he says, this peace I give you, uh, this peace I leave with you. The world cannot take this peace away. You know, the world can't take peace away from us. We forfeit our peace. Did you know that? Because he made it clear. Nobody can take peace away from you. But you can forfeit it. He said, but I will keep those in perfect peace. Come on, how many of y'all don't only, only want peace, but perfect peace? Amen? I mean, perfect. The most perfectest peace out there. I said that on purpose. I know that's not the right saying. That, I guess that was an inside joke for me. But listen, in order for, for he said it will keep us in perfect peace if, one, we trust him. Again, I just talked about that. All these intertwined go back to trusting in the Lord. And two, which is probably the hardest reason, is the main reason. I'll say not probably. The main reason we don't stay in peace is what he said in that second part. 
He says to fix our thoughts on him. Those who fix their thoughts on you. We must fix our thoughts on him, not on the trouble. See, where we get in trouble and we lose peace is we focus on the trouble and not on Jesus. That's why he said he'll keep us in perfect peace if we focus on Jesus. Goes back to Peter. As soon as Peter, Peter was walking on water, as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, it was done. He focused on the waves, the wind, all the trouble around him. And you see, that's human nature is that we want to focus on the, on the tragedies, on the shootings, on the, on the, on the, the government, on the, the national debt, on all this stuff, which is all legit stuff, but we can't fix our thoughts on that. Paul goes on in another place to say, finally, brethren, Fix your thoughts on this. Think about these things, things that are good, that are honorable, that are praiseworthy. Those, I mean, we're, we're going to have bad stuff coming at us right all the time, every day. But we're not supposed to fix our eyes on that. You fix your eyes on what's, what's praiseworthy, what's honorable, what's the good things. You have to control your thoughts. The good thing is the Holy Spirit will help you. Why do you think a lot of times before service, we stop and say, okay, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Just try to, try to calm your thoughts and just try to, we, we do that so you can start focusing on Jesus. So you're not thinking about your day at work and what you read on the news like I did before I came or what you do, you know, what, whatever it might be that, you know, Brother Jeremy was sharing some stuff with me before. Just work, some things that clutter your mind. And it's real stuff. But he says if we fix our thoughts on him, then we stay in perfect peace. So remember, you know, be like, oh, man, that, that, he just, man, I just lost my peace. No, you just gave your peace away. Amen. Come on, that's a good word right there. Nobody can take it from you, but we can forfeit it. Fix our thoughts on the Lord and trust him. He is the prince of peace. Jesus Christ is the source of all peace that we have. Amen? So we must continue to be patient in trouble, have endurance, and we do that through peace, through fixing our eyes on the Lord, trusting in him. And then the last thing he says, he says, one, rejoice in our confident hope, two, be patient in trouble. And then the last thing is to keep on praying. Keep on praying. Amen. Jesus said in in Matthew 6, I mean 7, I'm sorry, in Matthew 7, 7, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. What's he saying? Keep on praying. Keep on, you know, like those saying, keep on keeping on. Amen. Listen, even though prayer and fasting is over, keep on praying. It's natural tendency. I'm guilty of this. Being in ministry, we have a time, you've heard me say it before, we have a time of prayer and fasting. We're gearing up for, you know, like a a retreat or a mission trip or prayer and fasting. And, man, we get after them, man. We pray and we bind and we loose and we worship. We have great times. Like, how many of y'all came to Overflow Friday? was awesome. was anointed. We do all that stuff. And then Monday comes and it's like, what they got to eat? Y'all laughing because y'all know it's true. Y'all do it too. That's why y'all laughing, right? But it's just human nature. You kind of put, you know, you get after it, but then you kind of put the cruise control on after, right? I want to challenge you tonight, and myself included, keep on praying. Keep Strike while the iron's hot. Even though there might not be as many prayer visuals going on. And listen, we had a pastor's meeting today, and I know all the pastor's heart in this city is to keep on doing what we did at Crossroads last week. Amen? They're, they had a planning meeting today. I was in it. And ideas of how, man, we need to keep, this is how the body of Christ should be without tragedies. 
It's to keep on getting after it, to keep on praying together as pastors, as leaders, as the body of Christ. Amen. And so we plan to keep on doing that in your own personal life, even though the church is not having a prayer meeting every night or every morning or it's not Wednesday or Sunday or there's not a reason to pray. Keep on praying. I mean, there's many reasons to pray. We know that. But keep on praying. Even if there isn't trouble around you, if you're not in a rough time, a bad time, keep on praying. Like Pastor Todd said, bro, you know, Brother Larry said it that night when he came, Pastor Kelly's dad, either you're coming out of a trial, you're going into a trial, or you know, you're, you're about to go into a trial. That, or you're in a trial, you're coming out or going in. So even though you're not in one, you, you know, you might have just came out of one and things are good. Whatever it is, keep on praying. I love 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, always be joyful. Goes back to what we're talking about, rejoice in our confident hope. Pray continually and give thanks in whatever happens. That is what God wants for you in Jesus Christ. Some translators say, this is God's will for you. You want to know, man, I want to know the will of God. Keep praying. That's what Paul said. If you want to know God's will for your life, be thankful, rejoice, and keep praying. Continuously pray. Some translations say, pray without ceasing. You remember I said this earlier, and this, this ties all of this in, and we're going to spend some time in a minute praying again, praying for our city. I want to continue. We need to continue to pray for our city, amen? There's a lot of wounded people, not only physically, but emotionally. You start thinking about the, 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 the workers, the first responders, those that were on the scene that night, those that were in there that got, you know, physically, uh, injured, the families of those two girls that, that, that got, that got killed, you know? I mean, that's, that's traumatic. Think about today, even though nobody got killed in that theater, that's a traumatic experience. You go to the movies and somebody has a gun and a hatchet and he's swinging that thing and he could pop off rounds of that. That's, that's traumatic. We need to continue to pray for our city and our nation. Amen. I mean, man, I'm telling you, I don't know why I do it. I turn on talk radio, Christian talk radio. And look, I'm not, maybe I shouldn't go to this. I'm not like knocking anybody that does that. But for me, you know, you just talk about, you know, all the political stuff and I just, man, I can't listen to it. I mean, because it's true, and I know they're fighting the fight and all that, and that's good, but it's just like, man. But it reminds me we need to pray. I think that's my main thing with the Christian talk radio is they talk a lot. I don't hear them praying for the government a lot. The Bible calls us to pray. I'm all about being active. In, hear me out. I, I don't want to get stoned up here afterwards. I'm all about we need the church needs to be involved in politics. So hear me out, right? We need to be involved in politics. But the Bible calls us to pray for all those Government officials, our pastor, I mean our, uh, our pastor too, obviously. I'm talking about our president and, our, and everybody else, federal, state, local government. We need to pray for them. So we need to remember, like, I'm guilty of this. I remember hearing Pastor Larry Stocks that was here a few weeks ago. He said every day he gets on his knees and prays for, for our president, then for our governor. And I'm like, man, I convict you. I don't do that every day. I don't pray for the, 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 so I'm, again, I'm talking to myself. I'm encouraging y'all to do that. I need to do it too. Physician, heal yourself. I need to pray for our government. And we're going to do that in a minute. We're going to spend some time praying because we need to keep praying. Remember I said earlier, continually praying is essential if we desire to have the right attitude toward the difficulties in life. You know, in, in prayer, in those, again, in those, those times where you, you, you experience the Lord, you experience the Holy Spirit, when you pray, it helps you to stay focused. Amen? When you pray on, on the right things, it helps you to, to keep your mind fixed on Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps you through all of this we're talking about to be able to rejoice in your confident hope. When you pray, when you read the Word of God, and it talks about heaven, it talks about our permanent home. Those things, continuing to pray, wraps all this up. It helps you to keep the right perspective and the right attitude towards any 
difficulties in life. So as we close tonight, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Have you been rejoicing in our confident hope or worrying and being fearful? Just ask yourself that question. Do a little self-evaluation. Have you been rejoicing, confident hope, like, all right, all, literally all hell's breaking loose around me, but I'm, I'm rejoicing. Are you doing more rejoicing or more worrying? Are you doing more co- rejoicing or more complaining? Are you doing more rejoicing or, 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 or being fearful? Remember, this hope for heaven is the anchor for our souls. I'm going to stop right here and say this. Maybe you can't rejoice in this confident hope because you don't have it. You're not confident in the hope of heaven. Remember the second scripture I read in Colossians 1, 4 and 5 says this. For we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for us in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Maybe you've never heard the truth of the good news tonight, or maybe you have heard it. And you just haven't responded to it. Maybe you don't, you don't have the confident hope of heaven because you haven't put in your faith and your trust. Well, what is the good news? The truth of the good news is that all, every single one of us in this room are sinners. We all far short of God's glory. God's glory is standard. You might think that you're a good person next to a shooter in a theater, but next to God, we all fall short, right? According, if you're going to compare yourself, compare yourself to, to the Lord. That's what the Ten Commandments were. He was just saying, this is the standard. And he knew we wouldn't be able to reach it. That's why he sent Jesus. That's the gospel in a nutshell. He sent his son, John 3.16. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus, even though we're all sinners. See, the good news, you can't have good news unless there's bad news, right? So the bad news is, without a Savior, we're sinners that are doomed for a devil's hell. But the good news is that Jesus came and he took our place. He lived a sinless, blameless life. You know, I heard a man say this recently. This is powerful. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, and he assigned our name to it when we get saved. Isn't that amazing? We can't be perfect, and Jesus knew that. So he came and lived the perfect life. And when we say, Jesus, that might be you in here tonight I'm talking about. That's, you don't have hope. You're not confident. But if tonight you say, Lord Jesus, as Brandon saying, you came and you took my place on the cross. I'm supposed to be spending eternity in hell, but you came down and died on the cross so I can spend eternity in heaven. And you say, Lord, I repent of my sin. I pray you forgive me. When you do that and you ask Christ into your life, you say, okay, I lived the perfect life, but I'm going to assign your name to it. I'm going to give you credit for the life I live. That's the gospel, y'all. I never heard it put that way, but that, that's what the Bible says. That resonates. He washes us clean. He says, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. All things are made new. That's what he's saying. You're brand new now. It's like you lived the perfect life, but I lived it for you. And this is what's amazing. You see, when there's an agreement, when somebody, because he made an everlasting covenant. You know, when we do communion and it's a covenant between us and God, you see, in a covenant or any kind of agreement, if I'm going to agree with Jeremy about something, let's say, I don't know, I want to buy something from Jeremy. Well, me and him have to negotiate and agree on a price, and, 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 and we have to both come to agreement. I have to do my part, he has to do his part. The beauty of the gospel, the good news about the gospel is that, you know what? God did his part and he did our part. That's how much he loves us. He did his part. By sending his son and making a way for us. And he did our part by giving his son and his son to take the punishment and the penalty we deserve. 
So maybe you don't have the confident hope tonight, but tonight is your night. If you want to receive the free gift of salvation, which is the good news that Jesus loves you, died for you in your place, and the punishment you deserve, I deserve, took it upon itself so we can come into a relationship with him and enter into this confident hope of heaven. My second question, and we're going to pray about all these in a minute. Have you been being patient or paranoid in trouble? It says to be patient in trouble. Have you been patient or paranoid? And I know I'm touching on some nerves here. I know it's all this stuff's fresh. But we've got to be careful. It says to be patient in trouble. And going back to that peace, you don't have to be paranoid. You can walk around in peace. Amen? I'll be honest. I give my own testimony. I found out and I knew that my mom and Miss Clovey were planning on going to a movie like the week after all that happened. And then the next week, they ended up going to the theater. They went to watch a movie. And whenever my mom told me that, yeah, me and Miss Clover were going to the movie, my first emotion was like, you going where? <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. It wasn't peace. I was thinking about my mom. And Miss Clover, I was like, I'm, being, can I, I'm just being real. But then I thought, you know what? They're not scared. Why should I be scared? Right? They have peace. They were like, we're going to a movie. We're not going to allow this to take, you know, they would watch a, a Christian movie and something that glorifies God. That's awesome. Amen. We need to walk in patience and in peace in trouble, not in paranoia. Amen. So are you been patient? Or are you been paranoid? Do you have peace or what? And I want to encourage you to keep on praying. Let's do that right now. Why don't you stand up with me? We have plenty of time we, to, to, to have some, to spend some time in prayer. Why, why don't you bow your head? First of all, every head bowed, every eye closed. As I say, the first point, as I just hit on about the gospel, it says to rejoice in your confident hope. Are you confident that if you breathed your last, that if some tragedy, some trouble struck your home or your life, and, and you breathe your last tonight, are you confident in the hope of heaven? Are you confident that when you cross over to the other side, like I know our sister Tiffany, that's 110% confidence. She loved Jesus. There's, there's no doubt in her mind and in my mind and all of her that knew her that she's in glory right now. Are you confident? Are you 100% sure? You know what? I have the hope of heaven. If you're not, if you, because you know what? My mom asked me that years ago and said, hey, baby, where do you think you're going to go when you die? Heaven or hell? And I said, you know, mom, I'm not sure. And this is what she told me. She said, if you're not sure, it probably means you're going to the wrong place. And I want to echo that tonight. She was right. She was absolutely right. I say I wasn't sure, but I knew where I was going and it wasn't heaven. If tonight you say, Brandon, I'm not sure, but I want to, I want to receive the free gift of salvation. I, I, I want to respond to the good news. I want to have that hope of heaven tonight. I need to get my life right. I need to get saved. I need to be uh, cleansed of my sins. I know I'm a sinner and I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to receive forgiveness tonight. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to see your hand. Say, Brandon, pray for me. I want to make sure I'm right. I want to be confident in my salvation. Anybody, slip up your hand if that's you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right. Praise God. I never want to close the service without giving an invitation to know the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, come on. Let's pray. Let's spend a few minutes right now as we can rejoice in our confident hope. Come on. Let's, let's, let's pray for peace. If you're honest and you say, you know what, man, I hadn't been having 
perfect peace. I've been, I've been a little fearful. I've been worrying. If that's you, slip up your hands. Let's be real tonight. Say, so come on, let's pray for me. Come on, be honest. Amen. Thank you for being honest. Come on, let's pray. Let's stand with our brothers and sisters right now. Come on, let's pray for that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that your perfect peace would begin to flood our brothers and sisters. When, when, as they do what your word tells us to do, as, 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 as Lord God, they focus on you and trust you as they fix their thoughts on you. I pray, Lord, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Come on, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you grace to stay focused on the Lord, to stay, to stay fixated on him, to, that, that, that you would fix your thoughts on him as the prophet Isaiah said. He will keep those who trust him and fix their thoughts on him in perfect peace. Father, I pray for that supernatural peace. Come on, y'all pray with me. Y'all don't just listen to me pray. Come on, let's all pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your peace, Lord, that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That, Lord God, fear would be broken. That fear would be, Lord God, diminished off our life. We declare in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In Jesus' name, we declare that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in us than any trouble that is in the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us peace, and you said we would have trouble, but to be brave and courageous, because you have overcome the world. And Lord, you said that we are overcomers. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for courage. I pray for strength. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, just for supernatural courage to rise up in your people today. Those that had their hands raised in others, that your supernatural courage would rise up in them. That faith would rise up in them. That boldness would rise up in them, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, come on, let's pray for our city right now. Come on, y'all pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for our city. We pray for Lafayette. Come on, cry out for your city tonight. Come on, y'all pray with me, saints. Pray with me. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for Lafayette right now. Lord, we keep on praying according to your word, Lord God, for revival in Lafayette. I thank you for what you're doing amongst the pastors and amongst the churches. Father, we pray that it would increase, that it would not fizzle out, but it would get even stronger, that it would be a greater fire a greater passion for unity. Lord, your word says how beautiful it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity because there, Lord God, Lord, you said it's like the anointing oil that poured down on Aaron's head and beard. You said there, Father, it's refreshing and there you will command a blessing. (coughs) Father, I pray your blessing as we dwell in unity upon Lafayette. Father, I pray continuous healing. Come on, let's pray for the families that have been affected by, by what's happened, not only at the Grand, but these families that lost members, uh, three of them that same week, the one that took his own life. Let's pray for all these families right now, y'all. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray peace and comfort upon all those like that have been affected in the Grand or in those murders or in that suicide, Lord. All those families that are hurting, that are reeling, that are having a hard time. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you help them, that you come for them give them peace, Lord. Your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord God, I pray, Lord, heal them. Turn their mourning into dances, dancing in sorrow into joy. Lord God, turn, Lord, get their ashes into beauty. May something glorious come out of this. Lord, you said that you work all things that are good for those that love you and are called according to your purposes. Come on, how many purpose? How many of y'all love the Lord tonight? How many of y'all feel called of the Lord? Come on, God wants to work this into good. Father, we pray for good, Lord God, to come out 
of all of this stuff and that you would be glorified, that more souls would be saved. Come on, let's pray for souls to be saved in Lafayette through all of this. Father, I pray for souls. Come on, let's accelerate. Souls are hanging in the balance tonight, y'all. Tonight, souls are hanging in the balance. Father, we pray, my God, for souls to be saved, that you would lift the blinders off of the eyes of the unbelievers. We know the enemy has blinded them. Lift the blinders. Like I touched them. Like I threw this. I pray people would be thinking about eternity as they read about tragedy, as they read about, like God, untimely deaths. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that they would have eternity on their minds. They would have heaven on their minds. And that you would draw them to you and save them. Do a great work in them, Father God. In Jesus' name, we pray for our harvest of souls in Lafayette and in Acadiana, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, come on, let's pray for our government. Let's pray for the governor right now. Father, we pray for Governor Jindo. Pray that you help him as he leads, as he leads our state, Lord God. As he begins to run, Father God, for the presidency. Father, we pray for this man of God that you continue to use him, anoint him, help him, Lord God, to lead our state. And have as far that you take him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord God, our local officials, Father God. Touch them, help them, give them wisdom, guidance, and direction. Come on, let's pray for our president and our federal government. Father, we pray over President Obama, over his family. Lord, touch him, save him, do a work in his life, God. I pray, help him to lead, Lord God, uh, according to your standard, not according to politics. Those around him, Lord God, in the White House, the Congress, in the Senate. Father, I pray in the House, Lord, that you do a work in the government. Lord, let revival break out in the government, Lord. In Jesus' name, Father God. Let let your spirit fall, Lord God, on these meetings and as they come together with agendas and politics and campaign. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that we see a, a, a politician in a debate or in a campaign talk about his recent salvation through Jesus Christ, Lord. Father, that's the kind of revival we're talking about. Lord, we pray that you would cover our government leaders, Lord God, that you would cover the leaders of our, our, our country. As you said to pray, we lift them up to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I just thank you for our time together. Pray that you'd bless us as we go. Let us to continue to be unified, most importantly, with you, with each other, and the rest of the body of Christ all across this community. God, we give you glory, honor, and praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Amen.